couple verses, and I'll let you sit down this morning. Hadn't it been good to be in the Lord's house? Jesus is fixing to leave this earth. He has spent three and a half years with his disciples, investing himself into them, discipling them, training them, teaching them, caring for them, blessing them, uh, instructing them, and giving them a great commission. And here we are in Acts chapter number 1. He's fixing to leave. He's, he's fixing to depart. It's kind of like, like parents. As you as a parent, when you have children old enough that can stay home, and isn't that a blessed time in your life? When they're old enough to stay. The first stage was when they was old enough to fix their own bowl of cereal. Say amen right there. Hallelujah. You didn't have to get out of bed to do it. Amen. But that, that, that place where you leave that child home, and before you leave, there's always those last-minute instructions. Are y'all with me this morning? Those done. Make sure this happens, and make sure that happens, and if this happens, do this, and if that happens, do that, and make sure you know where all the phone numbers are, and so forth and so on. Well, Jesus is fixing to leave, and, and he's got some things to share with them. And, and we see the early church here described, and I'm going to be preaching, Lord's willing, on the next three Sundays today, uh, next Sunday and the following Sunday on early church examinations. If we are to be and to accomplish what God has for us to accomplish, and we've got a great task, we're to win the world. Do you realize that? This is not just a community goal. This is not just a continental thing. God has called us to the uttermost parts of the earth, and the church as a whole has a responsibility to win the world. Now, how in the world are we going to do that the same way they did there was a time when the early church, when they came around, that men would say, hey, these are the people that turned the world upside down. Boy, wouldn't that be great of the secular world if they was to come to us and say, man, their impact on us is so much, they're turning the world upside down. Well, we see some things I want to share with you this morning. I promise you, you don't want to miss the other two Sundays because they're going to be great. There were three things that I found in this chapter, here in chapter uh, number one, that I want to share with you. First is a purpose they pursued. The second thing we see is a power that they partook, but then a promise they perceived. And we're going to take each Sunday and deal with each one of those topics. So let's look this morning at Acts chapter number 1. And as Jesus has gathered them together, the Bible says in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Not many days hence, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, say Amen. This same one, not, not, not John and not, not, uh, not Peter and not, not Paul and not Elisha or Elijah or Adam or, or David or Solomon. This same Jesus is going to come back the same way he left. Hallelujah. That's the promise we see. He shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Touch us now this morning. We need to feel an unction from the Holy Ghost, Lord. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray that you'll touch our hearts right now. Meet every need, Lord, as you see fit. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you and glorify your name this morning. It's already been good to be in your presence. And Lord, I pray that we'll feel your touch now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> there, were, there were three things, and I, and I want to share with you this. We, 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 need, uh, we need to really be Bible in everything we do. Would you, would you agree with that? We need to be Bible in our purposes. We need to be Bible in our plans. We need to be, we need to be Bible in our desires and dreams. And, and I believe that God has given us a great pattern right here in the book of Acts. I'm telling you, if you read the book of Acts, to me it's one of the most exciting books in the Bible to see what people who had no formal education, most of them didn't have a clue. They were just old, dumb fishermen that didn't have anything. But son, they got the job done. There was something that they had. There was an ability that they had. And the Bible says they took note, even though they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took note that they had been with Jesus. And if we're going to move our community, if we're going to touch the city that God has put us in, and you need to understand this, I want to reach Africa. I want to reach Asia. I want to reach India and China and listen to communist block. I want to reach all of them. But I'm telling you, we have got to reach Coleman County. I want to reach the crack addicts. I want to reach the meth addicts. I want to reach the alcoholics. God put us here to reach our city. And we have a responsibility. We have a calling. We have a commission. God has commissioned every single saved person. Listen, you say, oh, but they're a missionary. They get paid to do that, or they're a preacher, or they're an evangelist, or they're a deacon. No, sir, no, ma'am. Every single child of God, the moment you get saved, you've been enrolled, you have been, listen, put into the army of God. We all have a responsibility to go tell somebody what God has done for us. He said, listen, go ye, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Go ye into all the world. Would you say amen there? I believe that. I believe we all do. I believe we have a responsibility to reach our families. I believe we have a responsibility to reach our neighbors. I believe we have a responsibility to reach our friends. The demoniac, the day he got saved, he came into the ship with Jesus and said, let me go with you. He said, no, 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 you need to stay. You need to go tell your friends and family the good things the Lord has done for you. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. I want to give you three things under that purpose. What did they purpose in their heart? We need to all be going somewhere. Would you agree with that? If you aim at nothing, that's exactly what you're going to hit. And we need to kind of have an idea what we're supposed to be doing. There's a lot of churches that are spinning around in circles. They're just going to church. Brother Miguel, they just have church. They don't know what they're for. They don't know why they're there. They just know Paul Paul always done it that way. And they just keep doing it. And it's a cycle of nothing. It's a cycle of, listen, ignorance. It's a cycle of getting nothing done, nothing accomplished for the kingdom. You say, you're not, you shouldn't be judgmental. No, sir, it's not being judgmental. The Bible said you shall know them by the fruit that they bear. We need to understand God has a purpose for every single house of God. And what was their purpose? If we need to know what ours is, we need to know what theirs was because that tells us what ours is. What was their purpose? The first thing they had in their, their scope. The first thing that they dialed into, their purpose was to win sinners. 
Say that with me. It was to. Say it again. It was to. Their primary deal. Their primary objective. Their primary goal. Their primary direction. It was to win the lost at any cost. It was to go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. That my house may be filled. It was to go see people that were lost and dying and on their way to hell. And tell them about a good Savior. Tell them about a forgiven Redeemer who is a Savior of all mankind. Tell them about somebody who will take their life and make it what it ought to be. Tell somebody who will take every sin they've ever committed. Remove it from their life and put joy and peace in its place. Go win the sinner. Listen, they went everywhere they went. The Bible said they went preaching the gospel. They had some good news, and that's what the word gospel means, good news. Jesus died, was buried, and he got up for you and me. There is a Savior today. He's alive and well. Now, how did they do that? We know that's what we're supposed to do. This is no, this is no news flash to us. Would you agree? Everybody knows this. This is common knowledge. This is common knowledge. We're supposed to be doing that. But everybody ain't. That's not happening. Oh, we'd see a whole lot different world. Would you agree? How did they do that? They won sinners. I'm talking about by the droves. By the droves, they were winning them. I was looking at this and studying this. Look look at number, or letter A. I want you to write this down. They won the sinner by doing this. With the message they carried. With the message they carried. Now what message was that? It was the gospel. It was the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a message? If you're saved, you got a message. Now you might not can deliver it like me or like another person, but you have a message. What is your message? I'll tell you what. I tell you what, this woman that was won to Christ at the well, she, she came to Jesus, and Jesus told her everything she ever was. You know what her message was? Come see a man who told me everything I ever was. Is not this the Christ? You don't have to break down the Bible and say, get your Bible and turn to John chapter 3, verse number 6. All right, you don't have to do that. All you got to do is say, let me tell you what God's done for me. He said, go and tell your friends and family to the demoniac what good things the Lord has done for you. How many of y'all are saved? How many of you are saved? God's done something for you. You're on your way to heaven. You was on your way to hell a hundred miles an hour, but Jesus in his grace and mercy stopped by your way. He came to where you was. The psalmist said, he came to that pit. I, he, he said, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard my cry, and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my foot on a rock, and he established my goings and put a new song in my mouth. If you're saved, you got a message. You're not what you used to be. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. You've got a message. You was a sinner, and now you're saved. You met a Savior who saved you today. Say amen. That's good stuff. We've got to move along. i got some more. They won sinners. They won sinners by the message they carried. Do you all see that? The Bible says when they went into persecution, they, they were scattered abroad, and they said they, said they went everywhere preaching the gospel. They had a message. But then, this is the cool part. And this is, everybody can get involved in this, even if you don't think you can get involved in the other. They won sinners by not only the message they carried, but by the ministry they conducted. If you will study the book of Acts, I'm telling you, all of this stuff is falling together. Everywhere I study, I see it. 
everywhere. I don't care what book of the Bible, it pops out at me. This one thought. What did they do? The Bible says when they got together, they sold land, they sold houses, and brought it together and, 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 and gave it to people such as had, what's that N word? Need. What were they doing? They were meeting needs. And then in chapter number 3, Acts chapter number 3, the Bible says that Peter and John were going into the temple in our prayer, and there was what? A lame man. And he got down beside that lame man and healed that lame man. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. Rise up and walk and healed him. Does that sound familiar, y'all? Brother Johnny, does that sound familiar to your ministry? What is the care ministry motto? Find a, a hurt and heal it. Find a... Are y'all with me? Isn't this amazing how God's just orchestrating all of this? We, we think that soul winning and evangelism and winning a sinner is all about getting a Bible and giving the gospel tract. There's evangelism and giving a glass of water. There is evangelism and saying, let me pray with you. I was with a young man Friday night who was broke down, lowered in a snake in a wagon track, having some problems. And I put my arm around him said, man, let me talk with you a little bit. And for an hour I encouraged him and I said, there is hope. Don't give up. I know it looks dark, but don't give up. I know the devil's telling you it's all over, but don't give up. I serve a God who can. I serve a God who's big enough to meet your need. Don't give up. And I prayed with him, and I'm telling you, he had a smile on his face that ministered to him. You don't have to have a Ph.D. degree. You don't have to go to Bible college to win sinners. If you'll just step out and help somebody in the need they have, you'd be amazed at how God could use you. We got to get out of this attitude that we got to take somebody to church to get them in. You need to take the church out there to them. You are the church. This is just a building that the church meets in. You're the church. Go out there and be the church. Go out there and find the need. Go out there and find the hurt. Go out there and use the power that God has given you. He wants to touch the broken through you. You are the body of Christ. We get so cooped up in here. Man, there's power, yes. There's excitement, yes. Man, it's time we take it out there. They're the ones that need us. They're the ones that need us. They are the broken. They are the hurting. They are the ones that are hopeless and feel like there's no tomorrow. You need to go and tell them there is a God who can. He helped me and He can help you. Can y'all tell I'm excited? When I seen this, God say, see how simple it can be? See how simple this can be? We, we've made serving God so difficult that we think people that has a higher education, they didn't have any education. But they turned the world upside down. You know what Satan's done? He's lied to everybody in this building. <laughs> Amen, I got some more stuff. Their purpose... Their purpose was to win sinners. Can we all see that right here? Can we all see that? Man, their goal, they was out, they was after them. I mean, they, they was like, I mean, sharp with blood in the water. They wanted sinners. They wanted, you know why? Because they had seen what God had done for them. They wanted to win sinners. So their purpose was to win sinners. Then number two, their purpose was to walk with the saints. When I say walk, I'm not talking about let's go get some exercise. I'm talking about let's get along. 
I don't know if a lot of Christians know this, but we're going to be living together for a long time. We might as well figure out how to get along. I was talking with a, 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 one of my good buddies this week. He was talking to a preacher and said, just what are you? Because he wasn't Southern Baptist. He wasn't an independent Baptist. He said, well, Southern Baptists can get along with anybody. Independent Baptists can't get along with nobody. What are you, amen? We're somewhere in the middle, amen? Why is it that, that, that people think just because you don't dot your eye exactly like them or cross your T just like them or comb your hair like they do, if you got some, amen? I used to have some. We got to learn, amen, brother Mick? We've got to get along. Jesus said in his, his, one of the most intimate prayers he ever prayed to the Father there in the book of John, he said, I pray that they be one. One. And we're so splintered and fragmented, it's, it's, it's crazy. Everybody thinks they don't need nobody. Everybody needs somebody. How you know that? I got verse. I got Bible. Now, if you, now look, I'll, I'll talk with anybody, but make sure you bring your Bible. I don't want your opinion or your theory. Bring your King James Bible, sit down with me, and we'll talk. But I got verse for what I'm saying. After they got saved, the Bible says in Acts chapter number 2, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And this is what they did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Say that word, and. And breaking of bread and in prayers. And in prayers. Now look in verse number 46. And they continuing. That word means steadfastly, persevering. They continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. What did God create when he created the church? He created a community. We are to walk together in community. Community. I, I want you to understand something. The word community. I, I looked up the definition in Webster's and, and it says this. A unified, a unified body of individuals as a group of people with common characteristics or interests living together within a larger society. Now what does that mean? That means that God wants us to community together with common interests, common characteristics, and a larger society. God does not want us to go on a mountain somewhere and put up a 12-foot high fence and put a, a hot wire around the top of it and say we are godly people. God never told us to be isolationists. He did tell us to be separate from the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate. What are you saying? The church or to be a community of people who are separate from the world. We have the same ideals. We have the same characteristics. We have the same desires. We have the same goals and future in mind. We want to live for God and please God in everything that we do. And if we have community and I get around people like that, I'm going to be more prone to be like that. But if I just surround myself with a bunch of hoodlums and heathens all the time, do you know what I'm going to be before long? I'm going to be a hoodlum and a heathen because I have potential. Now, some of y'all need to take that halo right off the top of your head and put it in your pocket because no, nobody believe it know how. You've got potential to be a heathen too. We all do. Peter walked with the Lord three times and yet he turned into one. You know why? Got around the wrong crowd. Preacher, what are you saying? I need to be around some folks that's 
want what I want. I need to be around some people that's going the same direction I'm going. I need to, I need to gather and rub elbows with some folks that's praising God like I want to praise God. God wants us to walk together. If all you get out of church is this morning and you go home and you don't get around other people, you're missing out. You are, you are drastically missing out. We are together. Our ups and our downs. God says weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. The greatest thing we ever did at Temple Baptist Church is start our small groups. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind. There's a lot of things we've done, but the greatest thing we ever done was start our small groups. The testimonies that I'm hearing in our, in our, our group leaders meeting of young Christians banding together, young Christians saying, let's pray for this man. I ain't been saved since Easter, but we won't stand and lead in prayer for somebody that's hurting. Amen. You know where that come from? From being in community with other Christians. Man stands up and says, I don't know how I could have got through this cancer without my small group. Say amen. Community. Community. They believe they were together. The Bible says all that believed were together and had all things common. Look, you say, well, I, but I, I, I don't like that. The thing, you cannot be close to people in this congregation. When I say that, this, where you're at right now, you can't do that. This is not a setting that's conducive to that. And you need a close friend. You can have an acquaintance in this room right now. You can have somebody that you're familiar with and you can shake hands with and, and you can be kind of familiar. But listen, if you're not there with their burdens, if you're not there with their needs, if you're not there and them, listen, encouraging one another, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. God wants us to walk together. Brian, where's Brian at? Where's Brian? Brian, proud of you, son. How, you've been saved since Easter. And... uh God's done a wonderful work in your life, son. I'm proud of you. And to see what God's doing through that and meeting that need, God needs somebody there for Brian. You know what? And it just happened to be that somebody needed Brian there for them this week. <laughs> oh, how are we going to walk together? With community that's created. And Brother Mickle, this don't happen by accident. You've got to do it on purpose. It's not just going to... You know, I've been, I've been reading and studying books that, that say we are around more people in our, in our country now, the way that the, the, the job market is set and the way the industry is, we are around people more than any time in the history of the United States, yet we are still now the loneliest country in the world. You're around people every day. I mean, you're bustle, bustle, elbow to elbow with people every day. And then you go home and lock the doors and lock everybody out. There are no front porches anymore. They're on the back porch. Nobody comes and sips lemonade with you sitting on the front porch talking about Bertha down on the corner. There's no communities anymore. Mom, you told me, you told me that when you and, and the band of kids from the neighborhood would get together, there was a woman on each corner that watched y'all if you was over there, and they would whoop you just like Grandma would whoop you. Did anybody else grow up like that? 
But if you acted stupid over here, then they would call your mama and say, they acted stupid and I whooped them, and when they got home, you got another whooping. You know what that was? Community. Then you didn't have to lock the doors. Now you've got to have a pit bull and an and, 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 and alarm system and everything else. You know why? Because you're the only one watching out for you. But see, in God's economy, God wants me watching out for Travis. God wants Travis watching out for me. That's why God has instituted and called us to do these small groups. And if you're not in one, I would encourage you highly to get in one. It'll be the greatest blessing of your life if you give it a chance. You know why? Because they not only created community, but I want you to see this. I want you to see the camaraderie they conceived. I want you all to know it took me three days to find out how to spell the word camaraderie. I burned up the thesaurus in my computer. I mean, Webster, it was all like, I, I spelled it Camry. I spelled it all kind of ways, and I finally got it. Amen. If you don't think that's it, I promise you, that is the deal right there. The word camaraderie means good fellowship. Good fellowship. I was with uh, Brother Murtis and Sister Murtis' group yesterday, uh, uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, I'm not sure who all was in there, the Calverts and... And, uh, and uh, who all was there? Where, where, uh, uh, Brother Greg Thrower. Uh, that whole crowd. See, they're communing now. They're all sitting together. Brother Greg, we had, we had low-carb barbecue ribs, uh, low-carb uh, corn on the cob. Sunday even had some low-carb banana pudding. No, no. And, and, well, it's our story. We can tell it like we want. Amen. We had a blast, didn't we, yesterday? Had to leave early to get to a staff meeting, and they were still wide open when I left. And you know what they were having? Camaraderie. Good fellowship. You say, why do we need that? Because, see, tomorrow, we're going to face the devil again. And we're going to face the devil's crowd again. And we're going to face a pessimist again. And we're going to face the people that's going to drag you down again. The world's full of people that's negative. And you've got to work around them. You've got to go to school around them. So every week you need to get with somebody that's going to say, get your chin up, boy, everything's going to be all right. You need to experience good fellowship. Amen? Amen. Then last of all, real quick, real quick, what was number one? What, did they, what was their purpose? They purposed to, they purposed to win sinners. Number two, they purposed to, and watch this, this is cool. Then they purposed to worship the Savior. Son, they lived to worship the Savior. One of the greatest worship services that ever took place is in Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. There are some ingredients that's here. There's three things I want you to write down, and then we're going to pray. And with all that talking about banana pudding has made me hungry. Brother Kendrick, are you, are you with me there? All right, amen. I just wanted to be a blessing and encouragement, all right? Acts chapter number 2. And you know, sometimes Baptists get nervous studying the book of Acts. But if you know the Bible, it shouldn't make you nervous whatsoever. And I'm not here to throw stones at nobody. I'm just here to tell you what the truth is. The Bible says this in Acts chapter number 2. Are you there? Acts chapter number 2. Look what the Bible says. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were controlled. They were, they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Now, don't get nervous. Don't get nervous. Let me, let me explain. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Seventeen, matter of fact. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Now, watch this. Now, watch this. This right here, this, right, this one verse right here destroys the myth of unknown tongues as far as what most people are doing today in charismatic circles. Now, when they, it says in verse 6, Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard him speak in his own language. What is an unknown tongue? It is a language you have not previously learned. It is a miracle. It was a miracle. It was a gift in that day. But it was not what you see on TV today. It was a language that was not previously learned. It's right there in that verse. You see it. The Bible says that 17 different nationalities were there. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was filled in them believers and they began to speak and all 17 languages understood what they said. Say, so how do you know that? It just said it. But then it says this in verse number 11. Cretes and Arabians, it lists those 17 nationalities from verse 7 to 10. Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues or our language the wonderful works of God. Now, what has to take place in a worship service to have a sure enough worship service? The first thing, there has to be the presence of the Spirit. I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad that I'm here. But I'm telling you what, we could fill every chair in this room. We could have an outline that's out of this world. But if the Holy Ghost don't show up, we've wasted our time. We need the Holy Spirit in the music. We need the Holy Spirit in the preaching. We need the Holy Spirit directing this service. We want the Lord to have His own way. Thank God for the sweet Holy Ghost will tell you and touch your heart and convict you of sin and encourage you when you're down. I'm not afraid of that word, Holy Ghost. It's in the Bible. Don't ever let a Bible term scare you. I don't care who uses it. It's in the Bible. It's the Holy Ghost. Say amen. It's the Spirit of God who convicts of sin. It's the Spirit of God who can go and live with you in your living room. He'll tell me what to preach because He knows how you've been living. I ain't nobody told on you. I haven't bugged your phone. I'm telling you, we've got a God in heaven who is big enough to watch who you are and what you are and will tell me what I need to tell you. It's the Holy Ghost. A worship service is not a worship service until the Holy Ghost shows up. The Bible said he came and filled the believers. But then this is what happened. When he filled the believers, you know what? The Holy Spirit was moving during the, during the worship this morning. People went to the altar. That scares some people for some reason. I don't know why, but it does. You should never have a limitation on anything. We don't have a program. We don't have a schedule. We just go as God leads. If you feel the Holy Spirit touching your heart, I don't care when in this service it is. In the preaching, you come and find Him at this altar. But God was moving. And you know what? <laughs> we had a sister sitting right here that was just getting so full she couldn't stand it. She says, Preacher, i got to say something. i got to say what God has done for me. God has been good to me, let me tell somebody. You know what happens? 
when the, when the presence of the Spirit is there, there's going to be some praise from the saints. Son, when the Spirit filled out every one of them believers, they went to bragging on God. They went and, listen, with all of their heart, the Bible says with a loud voice, I mean, it was so, so uh, great that crowds started gathering around. And what were they doing? They wasn't doing anything but praising God. They wasn't doing anything but bragging on the Savior. All they were doing is saying what God had done for them. Listen, we don't have to hire a circus, and I don't have to swallow a goldfish. Bless God, if God's people would just do what God tell them to do and let the redeemed of the Lord say so, we could get crowds in this place. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 2, when it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Well, how did the noise get around? God's people. One of the greatest ways to have a great restaurant is good service. And you know what? If you go tell somebody, word of mouth gets around, and before long, whoo! What word has been coming out of your mouth? Have you been bragging on Jesus? Or you been negative about the church? If you don't like the church, tell me. If you do, tell everybody else. They begin to praise. They begin to praise. You know what happens? The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. I ain't afraid of it. I ain't afraid to stand and raise my hand. It's all right. It's biblical. I don't like all that. Well, there's plenty enough people that ain't doing it. Help yourself. If you can live with it, I can live without it. You are being arrogant. No, I'm not. There's enough dead places around here. Help yourself. Don't come kind of brain on my parade. I like what God's doing here. I'm having the time of my life. Bless God, I'm enjoying the fire out of what God's letting me do. I have the perfect peace of God in my heart. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule your heart. And buddy, I got peace. Don't rain on my parade. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. If God didn't like it, you think he'd be showing up? Amen? Listen, let's start praising him. I wish everybody... I know it's hard enough to get you here at 10.30, much less 9 o'clock. But I wish everybody could come up in that leadership meeting and, and hear the testimonies of what's going on in the small groups. And just seeing what God is doing. Man, you need to learn to praise God for what He's doing for you. Because if you don't, the rocks and trees are going to cry out. I'd hate for them to get the blessing for it. Amen? Now, Brother Mickle. Right after they begin to praise God, they attracted a crowd. Now, it's a very dangerous thing to get a Baptist preacher in amongst a big crowd. Are you with me? Because the Bible says when Peter saw them, he said, get your Bible. No, he didn't really say that. He didn't. That's what I say. He said, men and brethren, I got something to tell you. And he began and he went into the Old Testament Scriptures and brought from the Scriptures who Jesus was and began to tell them about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ and saw thousands get saved. I was in the woods with your brother-in-law the other night. 
I didn't even know it was your brother-in-law. The one that lives down the road from me. You know what I'm talking about? We were talking about things, and somehow or another, he asked about church. Now, that's a mistake. That is a mistake. Because don't ask me unless you want to know. Forty-five minutes later, I was sweating to my socks, and his eyes was that big around. I said, man, let me tell you what God is doing. Have you been that way lately? Listen, a church service is when we're all involved. You can praise him through song. Don't just sit there and while everybody else is singing, oh, I can't wait for the preaching to start. No. You'll get a whole lot more out of it if you start putting something in it. Bless me if you can. Oh, help us. Man, God's a good God. Brother Hawkins, it's good to see you. You look great. Had a stroke the last time he was here. Here in the the place, going to baptize his grandson tonight. God's been good. It could have very easily turned worse. But God's been good. Where's Pop at? Is he somewhere in the building? We had lunch when he got home from the hospital. I'm telling you, had a stroke last Sunday. Last Sunday morning. And now he's in the house of God. Thought it was going to be bad, thought it was going to be worse, but God touched him, thought he was going to have to stay longer, but got to come home, and now he's in the house of God today. God is good. Got a whole pile of people to baptize tonight. God is good. Now, I'm telling you, and I'm going to say this again. If the devil don't throw a flag in a fit because of excessive celebration tonight, I'm going to be very upset. Let's have church. I know what I'm going to preach on. If I didn't know how hungry Kendrick was, I'd just go ahead and start in on that one right now. Amen. Miss Melissa's got the sign team ready. How many of y'all have heard the song Orphans of God? Oh, boy. We need to dismiss because I'm going to get started. I can tell. You do not want to miss tonight. I promise you, we're going to have church. God's done told me he's going to be here when we get here. He's just waiting on you. Church, say amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed.